Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. Now, we are delighted to be officially partnering up with the Brain Tumor Charity. It's a cause we care deeply about and through our specially dedicated podcasts uncovering those within the motorsport community who've been affected by these devastating diagnoses, fundraising events and generating awareness, we'll all be moving further and further faster to help every single person affected by a brain tumour. For more details on how you can help, just check the link in the podcast description or head to thebraintumourcharity.org. Can you believe we're at season six of the Motormouth podcast? Thank you so much for your continued support. And we also wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our sponsors. This season, we're delighted to be teaming up with Grid Rival. Now, if your football mates are constantly going on about their fantasy leagues, well, now you can get your own back and create your own racing fantasies. Thanks to Grid Rival, including F1 and MotoGP, you can select your own team and drivers, interact with other fans and join or create your own leagues where you can trade on the go to make sure you have the ultimate lineup for each race. If you're as obsessive about motorsport as we are, make sure you get set up on Grid Rival today. Head to their website, it's gridrival.com, or download their app from your app store. 2021 leagues go live in February, so now is the perfect time to strategize and make sure you get a jump start by downloading the app and getting notified for when they do as the motorsport season begins to ramp up. Hello everyone, Tim Sylvie here. Now, before we introduce today's guest, I need to head over to the land of Essex, where men are famous for having their ankles out, ultra skinny jeans, fake tans, white teeth, skin fades, loafers, no socks, plain white tees and roll neck jumpers, and not to mention a ponchon for holidays to Magaluf and Ibiza. With that said, and no further ado, Harry Benjamin, how are you? I do not adhere to any of those uh, descriptions. I've never been to Magaluf or Ibiza either. How sad is that? That is sad. 
I, sp- I know. I spent a week in Ibiza. I barely remember any of it. It was amazing. See, that kind of, I don't know. I don't know if that appeared. Well, to be fair, actually, having done a year of lockdown now, that really, really does appeal. Uh, so, <laughs> so get me to Ibiza ASAP. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm all good. Uh, you know, it's, it's a bit difficult to really come up with new things every time we talk like this, especially when we record multiple uh, shows in a day. But um, yeah, all well, love and life good. as much as you can do. How about you? Yeah, not bad. Thank you. Um, I mean, this is pretty what is this our third or fourth recording of the week second Something of the day like, I, I lose um, track we do too many i've even changed clothes so it doesn't look like i'm just Ooh. wearing the same clothes in every single podcast because um so I've, I've i've put on the motor mouth hoodie there you go on brand bit always of, on brand bit of brand right shall i introduce today's guest yeah let's do it so today we are delighted to be joined by former Formula One driver turned DJ Jaime Alguashwari. The Spanish-born star navigated through Italian Formula 1600 before winning the Italian Formula Renault Winter Series. He moved to British F3 alongside Brendan Hartley and other big names on his way to winning the title at 18 years old. It was while he was halfway through a Formula Renault 3.5 season that he was drafted into F1 mid-season with Toro Rosso, where he stayed for the rest of 09, 10 and 2011 before or leaving the team at the time as at the same time rather as former podcast guest Sebastian Boemi. Like Sebastian, Jaime then made his way to Formula E before putting his efforts into music and becoming a chart-topping DJ. We're here to learn more about his amazing story. Jaime, welcome to the Motormouth Podcast. Thank you so much. A pleasure to be here with you. And yeah. It's great to have you on, Jaime. It really is. And what we like to do with all our guests is take it right back to the start to begin with and, and especially focusing on you know, how you how you first got that motorsport bug. You know, growing up in uh, you're, well, you're in Barcelona, Spain now, aren't you? Growing up in Spain, was it always on the radar for you from a very young age or did you sort of accidentally fall into it? Well, it was actually because my dad used to be a motorbike rider and you know I come from a you know a, a motorsport background from my family so I think he really wanted to put me into into the motorbike world but I realized that you actually get hurt when you fall fall down <laughs> <laughs> then I thought okay I think we we should give uh, four wheels a try a test and it went it went okay I mean I was just a kid playing football at my free time going to school just started like something super easy, easy going. And then the thing got a little bit more serious when, you know, I started to win a couple of races in Spain, like regional championships, national championships. And I went to Italy where I, I started to, to race more internationally. And then I got in the uh, junior program of, of Red Bull. So everything started to get a bit more professional and, and it went it was a nice adventure till F1. So yeah. yeah. At, the, at the karting level, did you, did you already think then, yeah, I've got a bit of a talent for this um, and, and I should pursue it or, or did, was it a gradual thing where you suddenly thought, actually this could become a career? Be honest, you know, because I think you're so young at that time. I was only 15 when I got picked up by Red Bull. Yeah. And I never thought I could make it to Formula One. I just enjoyed the whole thing. And I think this is the way to do it, to be honest. Uh, whether you pursue a career in music or golf or whatever sports you do or activity you do, I think it's just about enjoying the whole thing, you know, enjoying the 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 the, the, the season, the whole period of of work that yeah. you develop through through your years and experience. And of course, it was not all enjoyable because you know, being in the Red Bull Junior team, it's it's pretty tough. Of of course, you yeah. know, you have to win, you have to deliver results. 
otherwise you 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 can't continue in the program uh but it went it went well i mean we we did formula renault and then formula 3 world series and then all of a sudden you know uh there was a seed in formula 1 and they got me into it it's funny the um, the red bull thing crops up on a lot of our um shows there's there seems to be almost every racing driver we talk to has some connection to red bull how did your connection arrive how how did you come to be on the program well it was actually a a, a coincidence it was a coincidence because I told my dad, I, I you know, uh, this motorsport is, is an expensive sport and you need sponsors in order to compete and race. And at that time, I was sponsored by uh, the like the national team here in, in Spain. I got some helps um, from, from the Circuit de Catalunya, from the Barcelona circuit, but there was not much help going on. So I did a couple of races in Italy in one point, Formula Renault 1.6, I told my dad I wanted to to try um, the last uh, race of Formula Renault 2.0 Euro Cup. It was the end of 2005, and the race was in Monza. Um, before I did the race, I had to test the car in order to get a feeling and understand how things go on. So um, we, uh, I, I connected with uh, Juan Vila de Prat. He used to have a team called Epsilon, uh, which I raced af- afterwards with Red Bull in 2007. And we we were going to do this test in Estoril um, in mid-season. So it was like a one-day test. But I got a, I received a phone call from Joanne saying that, um, unfortunately, we weren't allowed to do the test because the track was uh, rented by uh, Red Bull. They were doing this whole driver selection um, from, like, they selected all these, they, they asked for, they asked 50 drivers to come, and they were only selecting, like, five, four or five drivers every year, um, and they were doing this wall selection in Estoril on this particular day. So the test was cancelled, uh, but then I received, I received a phone call from my dad uh, saying that, um, you know, that they, 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 they had a talk with uh, Helmut Marko, who is in charge. I'm not sure if he's still in charge of the program, but at that time he was, and he was for years, many years. Um, he was basically running the whole junior program and, uh, you know, like managing drivers into Formula One. And uh, basically he was, he was stating where the drivers should go and how to, you know, how to work with the drivers on different seats and so on. So I received a call from Helmut Marco. I was already in Barcelona and um, I came, I went the whole, you know, he wanted to see me. He wanted to test me. I, I thought it was ridiculous because I, I didn't expect that phone call. You know, I was like, uh, they called me like in the last minute. I was not even ready for it, but it went well. I mean, I did a couple of laps. I think the test was obviously was the same for every, everyone. It was like five laps and then you put new tires, you do another five laps and and then you got judged, basically. <laughs> and and it, we, we were like 50 of us. And I didn't know the track. I think nobody did, actually. Uh, and I got selected. Me and Brendan, actually. Brendan Hartley. At that, the same year, 2005. So it was, a, it was a coincidence, but one of those that 
ended well. So yeah, it was. It's, it's funny you bring that up because that has we had Brendan on the show as well, and he mentions that selection day. And I think Sebastian Buemi was also. I think he was already a part of the the Red Bull Academy yeah. then, but he was there as a sort of uh, a mark for all of you lot. So it's very interesting. That was very much a, a big proving ground for for a lot of drivers. And and well, it worked out for you. And it, at that instance, and, and you you became on board, and you you went from there to. I want to fast forward a little bit to to British F3. Uh, working your way up the ranks and you joined Carl in obviously it's a really well-known motorsport team in junior categories very successful and it was a pretty um a pretty high profile grid as well you had the likes of Sergio Perez and we already mentioned Brendan Hartley as well and uh, and you won the last three races and became the youngest British F3 champion I think it's still in history how do you look back at that time well I think it was one of of those of one of the best times of, of my career of yeah. course was karting and, and then British Formula Three, which you know, I think the best racetracks are still in the UK. Uh it's it's all it's always nice to to win in the UK because of the history, you know, of Senna and the racetracks and the rain and everything. It's like super epic. And I had so much fun uh, working with with Trevor Carlin, also with Brendan. He was a great teammate, super uh, competitive. And it was funny because Brendan was uh, on that um, that day in Estoril. He told me that he was uh, waiting for this test for a year. So <laughs> wow! He, a year long that he had to go to to that to that test and prove him, himself. And you get the call up last minute. <laughs> yeah, I, I got the call like one day earlier. <laughs> so crazy, yeah. God, it's 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 astonishing. But it, the name, as Harry mentions, the names that you beat there, the likes of Perez and Hartley, both have been to F one. Sergio Perez obviously just got his his dream drive. Um, it, do you look back at those times and and think, oh, I wish I'd kept going longer in my career, or do you do you feel sort of at ease with the fact that you you did what you did, you you got as high as you could, you got out, and now you're doing something completely different. I think both, you know, it's funny you mentioned this because obviously, you know, when Formula the, the Formula One dream disappeared of my life, I felt very, it was a very difficult time for me because I was expecting, you know, I, I went out in the best moment of my life, yeah. not just technically and professionally, but also mentally, you know, I was like really, really ready for a competitive car and I knew I could really prove myself and be in the, in the very top. But, you know, life is like that and we can't judge the whole trip, the whole uh, experience I've lived in racing. It was amazing and it gave me like, it was my whole university, you know, that's yeah. the, the thing I've got. Mm. Now I'm in something so different, which is music. And I'm, I, I look back and everything happened so quick. But it was a hell of a ride, you know. It was it was great. It was amazing. That that point where you were racing in Formula Renault three point five, you're halfway through the season and you get the call, um, Jaime, we, we want you to come to Toro Rosso, jump into the seat halfway through the year. But you must have known that you were going into a team that wasn't necessarily a front runner. Did you think, yes, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Here we go. Or did you think, yes, this is great, but a little bit apprehensive? that you you know you're stepping into a car that doesn't quite do you justice? Well, at that time, I think um, I wasn't really ready for Formula One. I think Formula One now is very, very different to, to, the, to the past. 
Uh, I think experience is something super important. Testing, you know, like understanding the tires, aerodynamics, how everything works. It's very different to junior series, junior categories. Uh, yeah, of course, at the end of the day, it's a steering wheel and two pedals, but uh, it's something else. So mm. first thing I've, I've noticed is like, oh, I'm not, I might not be ready to do a 70 lap race no. or two hour race. So that's the first thing I got in my head. But then 2010 was completely different. And then 2011 was even more different, especially the second half of the season. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting you say that because at the time when you joined Formula One, you were the youngest ever driver. And I think the first driver to be born in the 1990s right. to join Formula One. And now it looks like they pluck them out when they're 16 years old and stick them on the F1 grid. So how how do you look at it now when you know the drivers seem to be getting younger and younger? That's what I meant. I mean, it, it changed so much. Even if you look at junior categories, when I used to race, or Brendan or Checo or all these drivers, Grosjean... Hulkenberg, Bianchi, and um, Wemi. All the oh, Formula 3s, Formula Renaults. I, I remember, like, it was very tough because, like, there were drivers that they were racing for, like, years in those series, you know, like this. They were staying for, like, two, three, four, even four years to be front runners. Mm. So, they, at the end, they, they become competitive somehow. And then when you look, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, you know, it's it's a very. It doesn't mean that now it's it's diff, It's worse or better. It's just different. The way that uh, the whole motorsport activity has changed. And uh, when you look at uh, the junior series now, um, all of them are rookies or you know like they're on their first year. Mm. So everything happens like there there are no cycles. You know, they're just everything happens so quick and they upgrade themselves into other series. Uh, super quick, you know. It was, mm. it was very different from from the past. But all, also, if you look at Senna's time in the '90s or even in the '80s, you know, Formula Three was also very different, and they were staying there for for many years till they upgrade into Formula One. So, yeah, yeah I think it it just it's just the way the the way junior categories have changed, and also Formula One rules. I guess you yeah. know everything has changed a lot. Yeah, it's interesting. We we were talking to um, God. Who were we talking to earlier, Harry? Um, Good to Steiner. There we go. Um, about um, about Formula One and the challenges that it has in this modern era with money and the cost of entry and you know the advantage that the likes of a Mercedes has in terms of financial, um, uh, in terms of revenues and, and money to spend on their development as opposed to a Haas, for example. Um, uh, but uh, which will hopefully level out with the, with the cost cap, but also the challenges of getting into the sport as a driver. You, you got in through Red Bull backing because you had talent. How how do you view some of the the guys that get there not necessarily based on talent? You know that that perhaps have to buy their way in more. Is that just something we have to accept in Formula One, or or is there a way around it? Well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to be very very clear with. With this, you know, I, I think the situation has been every year more clear through the years. Of course, Formula One has always been um, a place where, you know, it has to be a win-win situation for everyone. Uh, of course, you know, for the teams and as well for the drivers, but there has to be um, something proportional in between. There has to be something that makes sense. 
at the moment is just overrated. You know, the cost cap should have happened many, many years ago and not now. Yeah. It's still too late. And that's that's how I feel. I mean, I understand uh, teams that ask for money because they, they, they just can't make it because the, 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 the more you spend on the car, the more uh, the car is gonna, going to go fast. And if you have a driver coming with 20 million euro to play, to pay for his seat or even more, um, it's going to make a big difference on the team and on the salaries of people. And at the end, it's a company that has to go, um, that has to move forward. But what is the problem? That if you don't get the right sponsorship, which doesn't look like, because I've never seen in the story of Formula One, um, like McLaren, um, I've never seen that the, the empty side put that they were they, they, that they weren't they, that they were running. I think two or three years ago. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I think McLaren never never raced with an empty side pod. So this is already an indicator that Formula One is going through a difficult period, and this should never ever happen. So my personal view as a racing driver is that I felt very frustrated. Obviously, when you're in the Red Bull universe, you don't you don't actually notice because you, you know, you, your career gets paid by the company. You just have to deliver results. You don't have to beat your teammate. You have to be as quick as you can. And then, you know, that probably you might have a chance to make it. Sometimes it doesn't even happen, but you don't, you don't get to see uh, what's going on um, after Red Bull. But then when I was out and I got asked for money to race, I asked myself, do I belong to this whole system and does this system belongs to me? So the answer was no. Mm. I, I thought, um, or at least I was wishing that we could talk Formula One like tennis or golf and stand a ranking and uh, judge drivers uh, for, for their skills, for their abilities, for their work, determination, yeah. whatever you want to call it, and not just for, for, their, um, for their money, you know? So it's it is it is very sad and it is frustrating, uh, but it's the way it is. And hopefully they can make a solution. Hopefully the cost cap uh, helps everyone, especially the the, the the lower teams, to to have more margin to in order to um, assign drivers for their skills and abilities, of course. Yeah, I, I think you you described that and you you said that so well. I, I really like the idea of a ranking system as well, like in tennis. I think that would be a great idea for uh, for F one drivers or most sport, you know, every racing driver. Um, let Let's talk about your final year in Formula One in, in two thousand eleven. That was your best year in terms of results, and you had a hell of a run mid season and towards the end. You were looking great. Were you confident that you had? You've done enough to secure your future, or were you already aware that things were changing? No, 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 no. Absolutely, I was one one million percent confident that um, that I was that I was continuing in Toro Rosso. Of course, uh, the, the thing that that I was a little bit embarrassed, which obviously, you know, it was um, it was very frustrating, is that I got an offer from Renault um, three races uh till the end of the season um to be Kimi's teammate so it, for because Kimi Kimi was coming back yeah. rally uh into 2012 so I turned that down because obviously I it was really clear that I mean we were putting the car in the top 10 like super consistently beating teams that they were spending 
40, 50 million euro more than us. We were beating Mercedes, Lotus, etc. And it was like very clear that the whole thing was working out. Um, you know, we, we did a great job. Of course, yeah, it, it is also true that we were we were struggling at the beginning of the season because I had to understand the tires. It was the first year with the Pirelli tires and degradation was super high on, 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 on the racing. And then um, we did a change of setup. I understood the whole thing and, and everything came together from, I think, the eighth or ninth race till mm. the very end. So, yeah, I was really, really, really surprised. Um, I've never, never, ever forget that day, that phone call at 8.30 a.m. on the 16th of December. So it was it was not nice. It was really like, oh, my God, you should, like, there was no need to do that in that way. But that's the way life is, and I think, you know, many people can't say something even worse. Like, you know, there's always a worse solution, and that's the way it went, so it's just accepted. Did, did they give you a reason? No, <laughs> no, no. <I> <laughs> It was it was sad because yeah with France toast you know I have a a decent relation let's say I mean I went last year to I, I I was I kept away like I kept myself pretty away from Formula One after that even though I did some commenting and so on mm. but my girlfriend last year asked me to go to the racing in Barcelona he wanted to you know uh, to see she wanted to see the race and um, so I said okay let's go. And I went to, you know, I went to the Toro garage. I was with France and, you know, we, we both hug each other and so on. And I was like, shit, this guy, uh, nine years ago, he called me to, you know, basically tell me that I was not racing for them anymore. And, and, and he, 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 you know, he, 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 he shut down the, the, the phone. So you know, it was, it was like really dry and very, I don't know. It was, it was strange. It was weird. Uh, that's the way it is. Mm. A quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsors, Grid Rival. Grid Rival is an absolute must for any racing fan. I've been looking to join Fantasy Motorsport Leagues for ages, and Grid Rival does that and so much more with an experience like no other. Real time fantasy games, the best content, and a community of fans. Grid Rival is a must for 2021. Get ready for the motorsport season with Grid Rival today. Fantasy Leagues go live in February, but make Make sure you head to their website, gridrival.com, or download their app from your app store so you're in pole position for when they do. It's brutal, isn't it? It's such a shame as well because it's not like, you know, there there are some drivers that come into Formula One, um, whether they're pay drivers or not, who just don't cut the mustard. They don't deliver. And it, it was such a pity that you were delivering and you'd done so well in the junior categories. You were, you know, a talented driver that was destined to do good things. And to see you leave before you'd even had the chance to yeah, show you know what about you could the, do. the Renault Lotus deal either. That's gutting. Oh, that is gutting. So, so gutting. A real, real shame. My weirdly, my um my overriding memory of you um is uh is when I, I saw you race live once in Suzuka. And um it's funny, it's not it's not a pleasant memory for you because it was the year that you you crashed badly in Suzuka. And you the, the reason I remember it so well is because I was uh, working with ING Bank at the time, um, managing their sponsorships um, in Formula One with Renault and also various racetracks of which Suzuka 
uh, was one. They were the title sponsor of the, of the track. And you went crashing through their uh, ING branded uh, hoardings on the track before you planted it into the wall. So it was kind of a big deal that all the ING people were like, yes, great exposure for, for the brand. But it's got this overriding memory of you. That's, that's the last thing I remember of you in Formula One. It was funny. Um, but it, but a real shame that you that you left the sport at that point. But you weren't out of motorsport. Um, Formula E um, appeared on the radar. When did that first appear as a series for you? And I guess at that point in time, Formula E was was in its infancy um, to a degree. What did you think about it first and foremost? And, and how did the opportunity come out come about? Well, the, the thing is that now, you know the, after after what happened in Toro Rosso and. Red Bull, I never expected that phone call. That was terrific for me. That was really, really painful uh, because there was no margin to get a seat for 2012. Yeah. So Paul Henry from Pirelli called me to um, to test uh, tires for them, which actually was a very good idea because at least I got to be in, in a race car, in a Formula One car, and do some mileage, which was super interesting and super important. Uh, to understand the tires for the uh, coming season, so but that didn't didn't <laughs> that didn't change much because at the end of the day, you know, I was talking to different teams and they were both asking for for something that that I couldn't I couldn't have, and basically after that, I I my head was off. Like I did some racing and I did Formula E first season. I tried um, touring cars, but I wasn't there, you know, like my head was, was out. Like I wasn't, I was already thinking in something else. I, I, my, my, I, I've, I've always grown up thinking I want to be the best at my sport or at least try it. And when you reach your peak and you are still, you know, um, taking off and um, on your, you know, ascend, ascending to your peak performance, uh, you don't expect to stop, you know. You don't. You you expect to to continue, and that actually really really hurt. I didn't. I didn't want anything else than Formula One and being in the top five, you know, and 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 becoming world a uh, world champion because at that time, Red Bull had the car to do it. So after that, I I yeah, we did Formula E, but you know, it was a very completely different approach to racing mm-hmm. and. Uh, I wasn't really motivated to to keep on going. To be honest, I, I was having I was enjoying much more uh, racing go karts than not uh, doing uh, other racing series. To be honest, nothing was really uh, pumping out, you know. And that's yeah. why that's the reason why I, I called it a day and I went out. I I retired, you know, yeah. on my when I was twenty five because it was like you know I I started when I was eight. I was uh, putting my helmet on and with with a big smile. I'm not smiling anymore. So what's the reason why I should race? Mm. Is it a question just for money? And I know I'm not going to give my 120%. So I said, I, I think there's much more to life that I can do. I'm still very young. If I don't do it now, I might not do it ever. There's like music, which is, you know, f- amazing for me. It's like a hobby and I really want to produce music and and release music as a you know as a newcomer so there was some so many more appealing things in life that i really wanted to pursue yeah and and fortunately you had that plan b which we will come on to but before we do 
Um, I'm going to uh, pass you over to my illustrious colleague because we have a little quiz for you all about yourself and some of your old teammates are on the leaderboard, so we'll have to make sure you beat them. Yes, hi, Mial Gashwari. Welcome to the hardest quiz in motorsports, Motor Mouths. Um, there are four questions that we have for you, but they're all about you and your career, so uh, your F1 career. So essentially, you should be able to get them, but it doesn't always work out for some people. Um, at the bottom of the list, so with three and a half points, is Karun Chantop. So if you beat him, you're fine. If we want to go higher, we're looking at, I suppose, David Coulthard's got 10 points. Boemi has got 11, but Brendan Hartley, now he's in fifth place with 12 and a half points out of 14. So I think we're going to aim high. Yeah. Let's see. It's been a while. It's been a while. Okay, well, the first one is a clip that we want to play you. Uh, So have a listen to it and then just tell me, uh, see if you could fill in the context of it. What are you talking about? Where are you, etc. So have a listen to this. Here it comes. Give me a big help, and that's what happened. I, I used all DRS, all all cares, hundred percent, and I could manage to to pass him in the in the last corner, in the last uh, lap, which I was not expecting that. I don't think any of us. Well, you came past at tremendous speed. You must have had a real smile on your face seeing that. Yeah. He's got it. I think Stop that's career 2011. Yes, career 2011. Correct. Yeah, passing him. Yeah, passing him. It, it was the was it the final lap? Oh, yeah, that yeah. Was, was incredible because well, I, I've never I, I will never forget that over overtaking maneuver because actually he was a little bit faster than me. But like in Korea, there's a, a straight which is like super long straight, and I I I I thought okay maybe if I press if I release all the curves after turn one. Uh, you know, normally you you manage curves on different mm. corners. Uh, but I said, okay, let's try because it's the last corner, so you have nothing to lose. There's no one behind. So I said, okay, let's release curse 100%, and then let's um, let's get the DRS out and see what happens. And then I got like this amazing <laughs> speed, like 30 kph more on the whole straight. And I I, I I was seeing like I was looking at Nico's car, and I was like getting him so like so hard. And I, I went through the outside and I was like, oh, my God, I, I made it. I, I don't even know how. Like, this is amazing. So I got a seventh place in there. It, was, it felt really, really great. And you're still scoring points from it today. That is a full three points <laughs> for you. Well done. Okay, second question for you. Now, um, 2011 was your best season, as we uh, discussed. But what is your best race result? Seventh. And for an extra point... Can you tell me what races you got that in? That was Monza, Italy, mm-hmm. and uh, Korea. Correct. Absolutely. That is the full house. Okay, we're doing very well here, Jaime. Um, okay, number three. Uh, you raced in Formula E for the first season, of course. Uh, but what was your best result there? And where was it? Uh, what uh, track was it? Oof, that's going to be a bit more difficult. <laughs> because it was a nightmare of a race. I think the best result came... It was not a good result, actually. It was a fourth place. Yep. Correct. I call that a good result. <laughs> I should have won that race because it was a... If you look at that race, it was a nightmare. Like, right. Crazy. Like all Formula E races, like you never know what's going to happen. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it was in, in Argentina. 
Yes. Correct. That is a full house. Yeah, Jaime, I, it's looking Come good. Come on. It's looking very... Right, we've got one more question and then there's a bonus point up for grabs. So here's your fourth question. Uh, now, when you entered your first Grand Prix, you made history, as I uh, said at the start of the show, by becoming the youngest ever F1 driver. You were 19 years old and 125 days, apparently, according to Wikipedia. Um, but who beat your record and how old were they? Uh, Verstappen. Beat the record. Uh, can you? Oh yeah, okay. It was nine. Uh, I was nineteen, and he beat the record with. I won't know the the days. No, that's fine. Just the year. I'm sure, he beat it with eighteen years old. Oh, oh, he was seventeen. Oh, there goes oh, there so goes close. the podium. There's the podium gone. Oh. No, I'm going to give you two points for that out of three. So, because you got him and you were, uh, well, you weren't far off. Um, and I really, we need you to get high up on the leaderboard here. Okay, bonus point for you. How many drivers in total have raced for Toro Rosso? <laughs> Let me, give me a minute. <laughs> Feel free. Jot them all do down. Do some counting. We can play some lift music or something yeah. at this point. <laughs> Sometime later. Oof, that's going to be tough. And you could include yourself in this, obviously, of course, as well. Right, I cannot guess. <laughs> I, you know what? I will give you two either side. If you get within two, I'll give you the point. I think it's between thirteen. I'm going to give you the point because it's fourteen. Very good. <laughs> It's 14. That is, that is, so it's uh, Albon, of course, yourself, Bourdais, Buemi, Gasly, Hartley, Kvyat, Liuzzi, Ricardo, Sainz Jr., Speed, Verne, Verstappen, and Vettel. Okay. <laughs> so just if you wanted to hear that again. Um, but that gives you one point in the bag. So let me just do the math for you. That's a good result. It's a very good result, Jaime. It's a very, very good result. But I'm really sorry to say you're half a point behind Brendan. You got 12 and he got 12 and a half, but it does put you right up there. You're just ahead of Mark Webber, so you can take satisfaction from that. <laughs> <laughs> happy, I'm happy. I'll, I'll sleep good tonight. That's yeah, a that solid effort. A very solid effort. Now, we, we mentioned before the quiz that you did have a plan B. And as Formula One and motorsport started to, to fade away from your life, your other love appeared which was music. And uh, just take us into this this world of music. You know, we're, we're looking at you now. Our, our, our listeners can't see you, but you look like you're in a sort of music studio kind of set up yeah. there. Um, where did this love of music come from? What sort of music is it? And, and how does it play a part in your life now? Well, it all started with my friends in Ibiza, actually. Hey! <laughs> uh. I was uh, like, my, my parents used to go to Ibiza from since 1975. And they got me like when I was like super young and they used to go every summer in there. So I, I, I made all my friends in there. Ibiza has been always like the home of electronic music, um, especially in the summer season. And um, I got to play some records with my friends in a basement. And that, that you know, I had the, the chance to travel uh, to Italy, to the UK, to Germany uh, for racing. So I had some time or I was making that the time <laughs> <laughs> records uh, on my free time. And it was a really nice um, period of time because record stores were at that time strong before the internet came uh, super strong. And, um, and, and it was really, I had great memories of, of buying like vinyls and, you know, like all these amazing records. I still have them. 
and play with them and it's it's really cool so you know music was there since a very early age um i started making music like producing music on my laptop like sending demos to independent labels uh, from 2008 2009 making music on my spare time whenever i could like really basic stuff you know like whenever whenever i listen to my first uh, tracks it's like very different to what i do now <laughs> that's that's what it's all about you know when when you start something uh, and you develop it and you get good at it or you get better at it it's uh, it's nice to see the whole evolution you know and the development so you know i i when i um, got out when i when I, when i was out of formula 1 and i thought okay what what am i going to do with my life because i'm not really feeling racing anymore or I'm not feeling racing as it was in the past. So I really want, want to give music a go. I'm, I'm going to go for that. I love music. I, I want to try. I want to test. I want to prove myself. I want to see where this takes me. And so far has been amazing because obviously, you know, I've spent like loads of hours in the studio playing with synthesizers, with machines, drum, drum machines, uh, working with, with other um, musicians, with singers, and it has been it has been amazing. I've released a lot of music uh, under my other name, Squire. I wanted to make sure I didn't mix both things, so <laughs> I released music as Squire. And now this year, um, unfortunately, we we had a pandemic going on, so now music is seeing you know it's being really really affected. So no festivals, no club music, no um, no parties happening going on. Uh, so this year I had in mind to release my my album, which is going to be my my first album of uh, eleven songs, which is very different to what I normally do. It's something more personal, something more uh, pop, or let's call it like it's difficult to categorize music nowadays. But it's something like more freestyle, you know, mm-hmm. with more emotional. And I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm starting my own label called Anims as well. And yeah, I mean, it's it's very different to racing. It has many things in common as well, but it's just another period of my life, another stage of, of my life, another chapter, which is fantastic, which is great. At the moment, actually, I'm already thinking on. Um, I wanna, I wanna, um, I wanna be back on on a go kart actually, and I never thought I could I could do that. And I'm testing. I've been testing go kart, so you know, it's it's like. Well, Jaime, we, we've got um, in the summer, hopefully, COVID dependent, once it's all out the way, we've got our own karting, a celebrity karting event. Feel free to come over and join us. We, we've got, yeah, we've got loads of loads of drivers coming. If you want to join in, you're, you're more than welcome. We'll talk about that offline. Um, it, it's funny, though, your name is, is familiar in motorsport circles and racing fans and uh, my peers who are in motorsport know your name. It's a, it's a familiar, you've been out the sport for a few years now, but people still know who you are. Do you still get recognized? Do you get, do you get picked up at like, you know, music festivals that you're playing at or whatever? And people are like, hang on a minute. You, you were in formula one. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, um, it was a shame because actually people re- in Spain, especially people recognized me like, Oh, what a shame. What happened to you? Yeah. And it, Time I got, I was, um, you know, it was it was a bit frustrating because every time I got to meet someone, they were saying that the same thing. They were like, "Oh, how sad was was the whole situation? Oh, what a pity! Oh, whatever." And I was like, "Yeah, I know, but 
it's what it is. I mean, like, look, I had a career in Formula One. I did like, I scored 31 points. I know it's like other drivers did many more, but I feel super proud with what I did with the car I had and the conditions and the technology we were running at that day. So at the end of the day, I think it's just a question of feeling free and feeling like in peace with yourself. And, and I think music helped me out a lot on, on this whole men- mental aspect, you know. Yeah, I think uh, the the way the way you talk about it is really is is really nice to see. You know, it's a really mature way of talking about it, and because it was, you know, it, uh, those people who who probably did feel quite bad for you at the time, but you know, you used your you had that extra passion and you used it as a well as a way of sort of getting through to your next chat to your next chapter, and you turned that into your 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 second career. And you're absolutely right; not many people get a career in Formula One. Right. It's a lot of people's dreams, and some people don't even get to that. To that level so that that's 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 an achievement in itself in itself um obviously you've been away from the sport i know you were a pundit for for a short while after um uh you originally left f1 but do you still keep an eye on motorsport day to day do you still watch races are you are you in the loop with modern f1 yeah i mean i had a period of time where i completely quit everything i just i felt like like this um, how do you say? Like I didn't, I don't, I, I, I needed a distance from motorsport and to feel myself like away from the whole motorsport uh, world. But I'm back to it now. I mean, I, I feel, I feel proud of of everything, and I feel I look at, I look back at my career, and I can talk about it openly. You know, I, I've went through it. It was, it was, it was still a shame, of course, but I've realized that the whole. Thing was was great to live and now i can look back at racing i went uh, I, I took my girlfriend to the race to formula one last uh, last year i was there i didn't even feel uncomfortable you know i shake hands with christian horner with helmut marco with franz Dost, the people who didn't want me there and it was all good it was fine you know so i think that was I've put that in 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 my bag, and yeah. like in the past, yeah. you know. So yeah, I think it, I, I'm in a different mode. Yeah, actually. Now, although you're in a different mode, now one of the reasons why I really wanted to get you on because I was I was looking at your Instagram and I did see you know you posted a little bit of your F1 car and you were starting to do go karts and I was thinking, ah, oh, is there a comeback on the cards? There might be actually. That's why I was, <laughs> and that's the thing. You know, now um, I feel so different. Like when I when I see my interviews and when I see my body language, my behavior when I was a race car driver, I feel so different. Probably age and yeah. you know maturity and education. Uh, but I have to say that the fact that I was out of Formula One and I was in connection with the real life with the real world, because I, I do not consider Formula One is living the real world, you know, when when you manage and you work with all these money and figures and all these luxuries and so on, uh, it made me much more human and much more realistic of what's going on. So I feel like now I can see motorsport on a very different perspective. And if I might think of a comeback, uh, it would be just... To enjoy and I would I would see it on a very different of course I would like to be competitive and to be in the front and to win because I'm always like that. I, I don't I hate losing but uh, <laughs> yeah but um but I would I would 
I would manage the whole situation with a very different perspective, or at least this is how I feel. Is there a, a category that you've got your eye on? At the moment, I'm I'm enjoying like go karts, which is for me like the 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 feeling of driving a, a shifter go kart is like super similar to Formula One, with the grip levels, with the torque and the reaction time. Everything is like super connected you know and it was it, it made me a smile the other day because you know it's been a while i didn't uh, uh drive a go-kart and when i went out for the first lap i was like oh my god this is amazing i i forgot that feeling you know of of freedom mm. so yeah that made my 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 day my year. <laughs> were your were your family quite quite supportive because obviously your dad was really involved with motorsport and, and he wanted you to to become involved were they supportive when you decided i've I'd had enough yeah well I don't. I I think at the beginning he didn't actually he didn't want to see it, uh, or at least he didn't want to believe it as much as I did. Um, I think as a parent you want the best for your child, you want the best for your son, and my dad. Of course, he's not. He he. You know, if if I want to make a career in music or whatever, uh, he will support me. But of course, he has racing in his blood. And and he would be delighted that uh, I would make comeback. I'm sure. <laughs> well, uh, you, you heard it here first, folks. This this is it. This is this is the start of Jaime back in a Formula One car with Red Bull. Let's see. Let's see. We have a uh, a final three questions, which we ask all of our guests, and they throw up varying degrees of answers. Um, Harry, do you want to kick off? Yeah, Jaime, what's got you excited at the moment? Well. At the moment, of course, uh, music. But I have to say, I'm playing uh, golf as well. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, honestly, like, it's frustrating now because music is not moving much at the moment. You know, there's nothing happening. So I've, when once I've I've retired from racing, I've I've really pushed myself to, to, in the studio, to make music, to release music. It's been already like six years and now, since last year, everything is, has stopped. Indeed, my album is going to be, is, is, is called Stop. So that's the reason, because everything is stopped. And I didn't expect that. Nobody expect that. So, you know, I'm, I'm seeing my friends a lot. I have a beautiful life. I, I, I'm doing conferences. I wrote a book two years ago. I'm doing like all these conferences around uh, the book in Spain. Uh, I have many projects in my head. And now I might... You know, I'm I'm training hard. I'm testing with my go kart, uh, and but I'm enjoying life. You know, I'm I'm enjoying life as I never did. So, yeah, I'm enjoying everything. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Um, second question for you of our final three: How much of your success do you put down to luck and right place, right time, and how much down to pure hard work? Well, I think it's a mixture of both. Um, you have to be. That's for sure, you have to be at the right place at the right time. Uh, that's, be, that's being said, you know, um, like many drivers have been world championships, world champions, because they've been at the right place at the right time. Um, but uh, there has to be a lot of work and the talent has to be there. Otherwise, you cannot be a champion. And it's not just talent, you know, there's like all this hard work behind the wheel that makes you different to the rest and makes you, you know, like the one to win. So, yeah, there's there's much more than that. Mm. 
Okay, well, final question for you, Jaime. What are you scared of? Of the COVID. (laughs) (laughs) No, well, of the vaccine, I would say. Uh, Honestly, there is no real scare, but it is like, I I can't believe the situation we're in. It's like super frustrating for for everyone, super unfair for all of those who who are suffering of this. Uh, We are all in this bubble of news and things happening that every day is something new and all these now changing every day, uh, super difficult to predict. So we are are living a, a very terrible time. And this is like, it's, it's really painful. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It hurts. It yeah. hurts. Yeah. And yeah, I, I really, really wish that we could, uh, we could learn a lot from this and we could uh, be back stronger and more united, you know, to work maybe more as a community and not more, and not that much as single people, you know. So yeah, let's see. I mean, it's, it's tough, but hopefully we, we get back better than we were. Mm, I think I think you echo a lot of people's thoughts there. Ever thought about going into politics, Jaime? I think you'd be great. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Jaime Agashroy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on the Most Math Podcast. Thank you for chatting us through your F1 career, your, your reasons for leaving and what you've gone on to do since as an incredibly successful DJ. And we can't wait. We'll be the first people on that Jaime Agashroy comeback train. Don't you worry. Um, but Jaime Agashroy, thank you so much for coming onto the Motor Mouth Podcast. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Before you go, one final reminder to check out the team at Grid Rival, the place to be for the 2021 motorsport season. If you think you really know your F1 and MotoGP, fancy yourself at making a bit of extra cash, setting up your own or joining a fantasy league, and making sure you have the best driver lineups for each race, all whilst getting access to the best motorsport content and chatting to like-minded fans, then Grid Rival is the place for you. Leagues go live at the end of February, so make sure you're at the front of the queue by getting notified as soon as they're ready by heading over to their website, gridrival.com, or download their app from your selected app store and get prepped for a brand new season of motorsport with Grid Rival. Now, if you're a really lovely person and fancy supporting the podcast further, just head over to Patreon, or the link is in the podcast description. We've got some great goodies and bonus content to give you if you sign up. Just search Motormouth Official on Patreon, and there are three levels of membership to choose from thank you so much for listening to the motormouth podcast do make sure you give us a follow on our socials twitter at motormouth underscore instagram at motormouth underscore official and facebook just search motormouth you can also download the motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from mmtv create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy we're also proud to be supporting the brain tumor charity too so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Ando. And I'm Fer. And we host Niñas Bien Podcast. We want to invite you to listen to our show. Niñas Bien means good girls in Spanish. But you have to know that this is not a podcast for good girls. Or for girls at all. It is a comedy podcast. So everyone is welcome to listen. We talk about sex, relationships, technology. We recommend movies and TV shows and discuss pop culture in general. And there is Chisme Ajeno too. A section we have just to gossip about everyone. So you'll find something you like here. And you'll practice your Spanish. The cleanest Spanish you'll find, we promise. And if you already hablas español, vamos a hacer tus nuevas amigas. We'll be your friends for the non-Spanish speakers. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Hosted by Acast and available to all audio platforms. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com <laughs>